0: Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram I'd love to tell you about Cynthia. Cynthia was one of the first moms I ever treated for postpartum hypothyroidism. And it was such a striking situation because it caused her so much suffering. I met Cynthia when she was early pregnant with her second baby. And it had been six years since she had her first child. And the reason it took her six years to decide to get pregnant again was that she had such a horrible, really devastating postpartum experience after her first baby was born. First off, she had very significant postpartum depression. She had gained a lot of weight during that pregnancy, about 50 pounds. And in addition to the stress of being a new mom, she had some significant body image issues. It was starting to impact her relationship with her husband in the first six weeks after the birth. And she was really, really wiped out. And everyone from her midwives to the backup obstetrician were telling her, oh, it's just normal. You're just a new mom. Well, over that first six months, she gained another 25 pounds. So she was now 75 pounds over her pre-pregnant weight. She loved her baby, but was so exhausted that she could barely take care of her. Felt so much guilt for this and was continually feeling like there's something wrong with her. Her doctor that she was now seeing told her it's just the stress of being a new mom. An endocrinologist did some labs on her and said everything was normal. And after a year of this, so after a year of suffering and struggling as a new mom with all this weight gain, no energy for her baby, persistent depression, she had been put on an antidepressant, she finally found a doctor who appropriately diagnosed her with hypothyroidism, got her on medications and it turned her life around. But it was so traumatic for her that it took her that long to decide that she could put herself through this again. Now, Cynthia's story may be on the extreme in terms of a 75-pound weight gain, but I've heard this type of story again and again. It takes a lot of moms, a lot of effort to get an appropriate diagnosis of hypothyroidism after they've had a baby. And it can lead to just devastating consequences, all of the ones I've mentioned. Terrible difficulty taking care of a new baby, exhaustion on top of the already normal exhaustion of not sleeping. And on top of it, so many of the issues that come with not being able to lose weight, getting sick more often than usual, and on and on as we'll talk about the symptoms that come with postpartum hypothyroidism. So I really want to talk about what happens as a new mom and what happens with your thyroid, why it's happening. And in this podcast, I'm not going to tell you every detail about what you can do about it. What I really want to drive home in this episode is that this is a big phenomenon affecting a lot of women. And in fact, one article that I was recently reading as I've been working on my new book, which is going to be about adrenal and thyroid issues for women actually talks about Hashimoto's in general as a feminist issue because it is almost always prevalent in women, it's much more common in women compared to men, and it's so frequently underdiagnosed. And it's not even just that it's underdiagnosed. It's underdiagnosed with a high level of dismissal of, oh, honey, you're just stressed or, oh, honey, you're just depressed. Let me start you on an antidepressant. So it's this sort of subtle carryover of patriarchal medicine. Well, frankly, honey, it ain't that subtle, Um, but it's really this patriarchal kind of mindset of, you know, we're just hysterical women who can't handle our stress and we're really falling apart when yo dude, there's a real medical problem going on with me and I need you to pay attention to it and not just pat me on the head or pat me on the back and offer me an antidepressant. And it's really, really tough when we are taught as women to be nice and not to speak up for ourselves and not to challenge authority and our doctors know best to actually stand up for themselves. I'm not gonna talk about that anymore right now. I'm going to lay the seeds of that because I'm going to be talking about that in a podcast. It'll be on my website and here about being an empowered patient. And if you haven't read my blog over at my website, www.avivaram.com, on how being a good girl can be hazardous to your health, please do read that because it's super important for us to start to really take our healthcare back into our hands and not worry about being dismissed or treated as difficult patients because truly your life can depend on it and your experience as a new mom can really depend on it, which means that's the health of your baby. If you're too tired or too depressed or too just unable to move because you're physically so fatigued, you can't take care of your baby the way your baby needs and you can't take care of your baby the way you want to. So it can have such a dramatic effect on so many aspects of our lives. So yes, it is totally normal to be exhausted as a new mom. I always say that moms, we sleep with one eye open, right? You just wake up at like the stir of your baby. Sometimes I used to wake up as a breastfeeding mom, even before my baby woke up. And then within a second, my baby was waking up to nurse. We have this sort of external umbilical cord that sort of psychically doesn't stop. And it does actually demand some of our bandwidth, to be in that state of slightly heightened awareness. It's actually our stress response system that's keeping our adrenaline just a little bit higher than normal because that's our survival mechanism, keeping us dialed in to our baby. You know, recently I was um, traveling a lot and I said to my husband, wow, I wish I could just get a really good night's sleep where I just slept like a baby. And then I was thinking about really quickly my own baby sleeping and then I auto-corrected and I said to him, well, a baby that actually sleeps. I have four kids and I remember how intense those early weeks and months and even those first couple of years can be. It's not just waking up to breastfeed every couple of hours. It's the whole learning curve. It's huge. And every day is new. There are new things to think about that take a lot of emotional focus and bandwidth, even when we're not aware that we're focusing on them. Everything from Thinking through the vaccination decision to whether to feed your baby gluten or not to avoid allergies and whether or not you should breastfeed in public and you're getting glares and glances and trying to figure out what to do to your family's opinions, your pediatrician's opinions, it can be really overwhelming. But from my experience of being a midwife and a doctor, I'll tell you, seeing moms who are struggling with Hashimoto's. On top of the normal stress and fatigue of taking care of a baby, it's got a whole new magnitude. You know, your thyroid is central to your body's ability to produce and expend energy to metabolize your food and maintain your hormonal balance. So when your thyroid is not working properly, whether it's over-functioning or under-functioning, It has an impact on pretty much every system in your body, but it's going to especially affect your hormones. It's going to affect your ability to use energy. And in that, it not only affects your physical energy, but your cognitive energy as well. So when I've seen new moms with Hashimoto's, to me it looks like they're trying to be a new mom with one hand and sort of continually push an 18-wheeler up Kilimanjaro with the other hand. It's an almost impossible level of exhaustion. It can also lead new moms to become mildly all the way to severely depressed, completely unable to focus and think clearly. And it can not only make you not lose the baby weight, but gain weight. It worsens your sleep and it can make you crave sugar and carbs like a fiend because it's your body's way of trying to get energy in any way that it can and pretty much forget your libido coming back when your thyroid is tanked it basically tells your hormones to kind of go on to like screensaver you know it's basically telling your hormones hey She is so low energy, we cannot divert any energy into reproductive function at all. This is not a good time for her to have another baby. This is not a good time for her to be thinking about reproduction. So it dials all that back as an effort to protect you from expending energy on growing a new baby. You got to put that energy into yourself. And all the while, you know, you're probably thinking, you don't know that you have a thyroid problem, you're thinking that you're just not coping as well as other moms. Maybe you're wondering if you're even mom material because you're so depressed you're not even enjoying your baby. Maybe you wonder that you aren't adjusting well or there's something wrong with you. Maybe you do internalize that you're depressed and should go on an antidepressant. And as new moms, we are so hard on ourselves and I think we're harder on ourselves than anyone else is. And added to it, your partner probably has no idea what's going on. Or maybe you're a mom on your own, a single mom doing this without any help. Your family doesn't really understand why you're so tired. Maybe they think you're just depressed and they're pressuring you to go on an antidepressant. And like I said with my my patient, Cynthia, your midwives might not recognize it. Your doctor might not recognize it. And you can be really alone in dealing with this. So what is going on? The condition that happens after you have your baby when your thyroid gets impacted is called postpartum thyroiditis. And it's an autoimmune condition that can happen anytime within a year after having your baby. It can also of note happen after a miscarriage or an abortion. So don't discount these symptoms if you haven't just had a baby but had one of those experiences because it can still be impacting you. And a lot of women struggle with intense emotional and hormonal and mood changes after a miscarriage or an abortion. So it's important to think about the medical causes and not assume that it's an emotional issue of sadness or guilt or disappointment or self-judgment. Those are all really important to also address, but it's also important to look for the physical reasons. What's happening for women who develop this is that there's a genetic predisposition that gets coupled with the rapid changes in hormones, particularly estrogen, after we've had a baby or a loss. And perhaps with an added hit due to exhaustion and the emotional intensity of being a new mom or having a loss. In my opinion, it's also likely that the other root causes of Hashimoto's that I'm going to be talking about in my book that comes out in January 2017, and also that I talk about in blogs, may be playing a role. For example, gluten intolerance, celiac disease that you didn't know you had, recurrence of a latent viral infection like Epstein Barr virus, which is a very common trigger of autoimmune thyroid disease, and adrenal overdrive. When you add that to vulnerability of genetics and hormonal changes, you have the perfect storm. Postpartum thyroiditis presents in one of three ways. It can happen as what's called transient hyperthyroidism, and that can be the only thing that happens. Transient hyperthyroidism is a temporary overactive thyroid. It can happen as transient hypothyroidism, which is a temporary underactive thyroid or the most common is a transient hyperthyroidism that's followed by hypothyroidism. And that makes the diagnosis often super tricky and it gets missed a lot. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. So postpartum thyroiditis occurs in up to about 8% of new moms. So about 1 in 12 new moms, but the rates are as high as 42% in women who had postpartum thyroiditis before in another pregnancy, or in women who already have thyroid disease, it's really common. And in 40 to 60% of all women who test positive for an antibody during pregnancy called thyroid peroxidase antibody. And if you test positive for this in the first trimester or early second trimester, it's 40 to 60% predictive that you could develop postpartum thyroiditis, which is why, in my opinion, it's so worth all women getting checked for this antibody when you get your early pregnancy labs. Because if you know that you have this elevated antibody, first of all, you can start to do things to address some of those triggers, those root causes I mentioned, like. Hashimoto's or undiagnosed celiac disease and start to reverse those so that possibly if those are a trigger, you can improve your antibodies and reduce your likelihood of developing it. But also you can be more prepared. If you're 40 to 60% likely to develop something, you know, I don't want you to psych yourself out, but I'd rather you be aware so that if you do develop symptoms in that first year after your baby is born, you don't ignore it or you don't get underdiagnosed or dismissed, right? Then you know what it is and you can get on top of it really quickly. It's also important to note that it can occur even if you're already being treated for an autoimmune thyroid disease. So let's say you know that you have Hashimoto's and you're taking armor or levothyroxine or nature thyroid, you're taking medication. But if you still have enough thyroid intact that antibodies can attack that thyroid that's left, you can still develop this. So just because you're being treated for Hashimoto's or Graves, for example, which is a hyperthyroidism, autoimmune hyperthyroidism, doesn't mean you can't still get a postpartum double whammy. And also, if you have high antibodies in pregnancy you're probably dealing with what's called subclinical hypothyroidism in pregnancy, and you'll probably likely have subclinical thyroid disease as a new mom. What does subclinical mean? It means that you have symptoms, but you're not testing, you're not high enough to test positive on your labs to show that you have the the condition, And we're going to swing back around and talk about that when I do talk about testing a little bit more in just a minute. Now, most women who have postpartum thyroiditis do actually recover their function and have normal thyroid labs within one year after having a baby. However, if at the end of the first year after the birth or the miscarriage, for example, you still have postpartum thyroiditis, there's a little over a 50% chance that it's permanent. In addition, if you develop postpartum thyroiditis, particularly reversible hypothyroidism, you have a 20 to 40% chance over women who don't develop it of developing permanent hypothyroidism within 3 to 12 years later. And that risk goes up. If you're a little bit older at the time of having your first baby, and interestingly, if the baby's a girl, and that's likely due to higher levels of estrogen in your system when you are pregnant and then that big crash after you've had the baby, the estrogen goes down even more drastically. So what this means, again, is not that you're doomed or I want you to psych yourself out, but what it means is that if you do develop Hashimoto's or postpartum hypothyroidism or any postpartum thyroid autoimmune disease in that first year after your baby's born, you want to be someone who is especially thoughtful and cautious about taking care of your immune system, reversing any of the root causes that you might have that can be contributing to your Hashimoto's. There is a blog over on my website at www.avivaram.com that addresses the six most common, actually I think I have seven in there, seven most common root causes of Hashimoto's. And of course that's what my book is going to be all about when it comes out, including the adrenal impact on your thyroid because those two sets of glands are tightly intertwined in controlling your metabolism, your moods, your energy, your cognitive function, your hormones. So remember, most women do recover, but it does put you at increased risk of developing hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's later on. So you want to think of yourself with a little bit of extra TLC around reducing any potential contributing causes, reversing any causes that you know. So for example, if your family has celiac disease, you've never thought that you had any symptoms, and all of a sudden you've developed this and you're still eating gluten, good time to get off the gluten and the gluten cross-reactives. That's just one example that you'll see more of over in my seven root causes of Hashimoto's on my blog at my website. So what are the symptoms? Well, remember I said that you can develop this one of three ways. Either you get hyperthyroid, which is overactive thyroid, hypothyroid, which is underactive thyroid, or you get hyper that turns into hypo. So hyperthyroidism you want to think of as you have turned on the thermostat in your house full blast. Everything is overheated. You've got your foot on that gas pedal, pedal to the metal. You are amped up. So the symptoms are nervousness, anxiety, irritability. And just to give you an example of how nervous you can be, if you listen to my podcast with my friend, the thyroid pharmacist, Isabella Wentz, where she talks about uncovering her own Hashimoto's, she said that one of her first symptoms of Hashimoto's was anxiety she thought that every time her husband, Michael, went out for his morning run, if he was even like five minutes late, she was freaking out. I mean, she was ready to call the morgue, the hospital, you know, the fi- the police like file a missing persons report. She thought for sure he had a heart attack, died, got hit by a car or ran off with another woman. And that sounds so extreme, I know. And if you're experiencing those thoughts, they're going to feel really extreme to you. And as a new mom, think about it, all the things we're already anxious about This can really get super amped up for you. I remember reading a story about a woman who had postpartum depression and probably she had undiagnosed thyroid disease, although it was never fully fleshed out in the article, but she was so anxious every time her baby got a cough or a fever or anything that she couldn't she was a single mom, she could not be home alone with the baby because she thought she was just going to freak out, she thought maybe she would hurt her baby or neglect her baby or not recognize what was going on with her baby, so she lived in a major city, and if her baby had anything going on, she would literally ride the public transportation all night long just to have other people around her as a witness. I mean the craziness that can happen and feel really crazy that you don't realize is actually your thyroid can cause a lot of anxiety in itself. And it can make your family, if they don't understand what's going on, truly think you're having mental health breakdown when you're simply needing help with your thyroid. Rapid heartbeat and palpitations, which can of course come along with that feeling of anxiety. But if you're having that, it can cause you to feel anxious. what's going on with my heart? It's beating so hard and so fast. You can get an intense appetite. You can feel, and if you're ever breastfed a baby, you know how much you can eat. This is like that on steroids. I mean, it's so amped up. You can feel famished and hungry all the time. And yet you can be having significant weight loss. You can be losing a lot of weight postpartum and even get down to your pre-pregnancy weight or less really fast within weeks of these symptoms cropping up. You can have profuse sweating, And if you think about it, as a new mom, we sweat really easily, especially in those first couple of months. It's easy for us to get anxious. We can get a rapid heartbeat. We have an increased appetite if we're breastfeeding. Another symptom is difficulty sleeping because you're so agitated and amped up. And another symptom is intense fatigue because you're not getting good sleep. All of these can be symptoms of being a new mom. In addition to it, having frequent loose stools or just frequent stools sometimes is a real giveaway because that's not a typical symptom of being a new mom. But you may have any of these symptoms or just a couple of these symptoms. So even if you have just one or two, even if you're just really nervous or even if you're just having significant weight loss or really, really hungry all the time, like you can just never get full and you're eating enough, it's good to get checked out for hyperthyroidism. Now hypothyroidism is exactly the opposite. It's like you can't even make your foot press down on the gas pedal. It's like your foot just won't do it because you're just too tired. You're so run down, you're so fatigued or exhausted. And I think that if you've had postpartum hypothyroid or even if you've just had hypothyroid in the past, you're probably nodding your head about me saying that it's like pushing an 18-wheeler up Mount Kilimanjaro. I mean, I've really seen women in my practice... Thankfully, I've never um, had to struggle with this personally, but the women in my practice, I just see even how exhausted they are when they come into my office. It's sometimes even hard for them to physically hold themselves up. They're like slumping back in a chair. They're just so tired. It's almost like they're hard to lift their muscles. So the fatigue can be, you know, moderate or it can be downright intense exhaustion. Depression is very common and it can be mild to moderate or severe. You can have unexplained weight gain or an inability to lose any of that baby weight. Constipation is very common. Your bowels slow down just like everything else. You might get carpal tunnel syndrome, tendinitis, or joint or muscle aches. And this is really important because a lot of moms get diagnosed with carpal tunnel or something called De veins, which is a tendonitis, and it's just chalked up to, oh, I'm breastfeeding or I'm carrying the baby around a lot or lifting the baby a lot. And so it gets dismissed as just a normal mechanical issue from lifting or moving baby, but actually it can be a sign of Hashimoto's. You can have those symptoms independent, but if you do have that, it's always, in my opinion, a reason to get checked out for the postpartum hypothyroidism. You can experience increased sensitivity to cold. So even when other people feel warm or aren't wearing a sweater, you feel chilly and you need a sweater. You may notice puffiness on your face and puffiness around your eyes. Oh, I didn't mention with the hyperthyroidism, if it's significant enough, you can notice that your eyeballs themselves are bulging. But with the hypothyroidism, it's just a kind of a fluidy puffiness, like a doughy puffiness around the eyes and face. If your periods have come back, you can have heavier than normal periods, or it can delay your periods from coming back. You might notice that your hair is dry and brittle, and you can have a lot of hair loss. Now... As we're pregnant, our hair tends to thicken up and in the postpartum period, there's something called telogen effluvium, which is a normal amount of hair loss due to stress and having a new baby is enough of a stress that it causes us to lose hair. And that usually happens around four or five months postpartum. So you can see this fatigue, the feeling blue not being able to lose weight, having these muscle aches, puffy face, all of this can just be attributed to not getting good sleep, your hair loss, it's just not getting good sleep, you're a new mom, this is normal. It can really make you get a misdiagnosis. Another important symptom that can happen with postpartum hypothyroidism is decreased milk production. Now there are a number of reasons for decreased breast milk production, but untreated hypothyroidism is a significant one. And if you're a mom who has struggled, even if you've just breastfed and it's taken you a few days to get the hang of it, but particularly if you've struggled with breast milk production, you know how anxiety provoking it is and overwhelmingly stressful on so many levels not to feel like you're feeding your baby adequately or not, or just the worry of your baby not gaining weight. So It's really important if you're not producing enough breast milk or if your baby's not gaining weight and you're breastfeeding exclusively to get tested for Hashimoto's or postpartum hypothyroidism, basically interchangeable terms, to make sure that that's not a very treatable cause that you can reverse with the right treatment, which we'll talk about. Another thing that's important that can happen with hypothyroidism is high cholesterol. Because the thyroid's job is to metabolize energy When you're not metabolizing your fats, when you're not metabolizing your calories, your body, to keep it simple, packs that away as cholesterol, particularly the not good kind, the LDL cholesterol. So if you test high for cholesterol at any time, you should always be checked for Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism. It's it's a very commonly overlooked reason. And 50% of women over the age of 50 are on more than two drugs or two or more drugs. And one of those drugs is almost always a statin for high cholesterol. Statins carry a lot of risk. In fact, 50% of otherwise healthy people who get put on a statin develop diabetes and the risk is worse for women. So high cholesterol, get your thyroid checked. You may also notice in that first year after having a baby that you have a mildly enlarged thyroid gland. So the front of your neck kind of between where your Adam's apple is and that dip at the bottom of your neck, that little concave area, looks swollen or it feels a little swollen. It may or may not be tender. In fact, this is often it's not tender and that can be a symptom and that may sometimes be the only symptom that you have that's super obvious that you have postpartum thyroiditis. Now, 20 to 30% of women will develop hyperthyroidism, usually one to four months after the baby's born. And it lasts two to eight weeks. So one to four months after baby's born, if you're starting to feel really agitated, you're not sleeping, you're sweating a lot, don't just dismiss it as being overwhelmed and being stressed and sweating because you've always got a baby on you and maybe it's hot summer and you're wearing your baby, make sure to get checked out. That hyperthyroidism is typically followed in most women by hypothyroidism and that lasts anywhere from two weeks to six months. And then 40 to 50% of women, so at least half, are going to have the hypothyroidism only. And that usually begins about two to six months after baby's born. So think about it. Two months after baby's born, what's happening? Everybody stops bringing you food. Everybody kind of starts to treat you like business is back to normal. You might even literally be going back to business as normal. Your maternity leave, if you've had one, is going to be over by eight weeks. And so there are a lot of other stressors that are going to be happening around two months after the baby's born that can even increase your anxiety, increase your depression, increase your sleep troubles, all of increase your fatigue. And so it's super easy to chalk it up to just normal new mom stress. Please don't if you're having those symptoms. I'm not saying that having a new baby is easy breezy but you shouldn't feel so tired, so unwell. And if you do get your thyroid checked and it turns out that everything is normal, then it's certainly important to look to other causes. I always recommend that when you're getting checked for thyroid issues, also get checked for other things that can make you feel really exhausted. For example, iron deficiency anemia, especially if you lost a lot of blood at the birth or if you had heavy postpartum bleeding get checked because that can make you feel really tired, it can make you feel depressed, it can make it harder to lose weight. You can also get checked for vitamin B12 and vitamin D at the same time. Vitamin B12 deficiency can make you very tired and typically if you're deficient in iron, you may also be deficient in B12 and also vitamin D. So treating all of those at the same time is a good idea and bumping up your nutrition and using the appropriate supplements. So let's talk about lab work and how to get tested and who should get tested. So as I mentioned, I am a strong believer that pregnant women in their first trimester, when you get your standard prenatal blood work, ask to have your TPO, T as in Thomas, P as in Paul, O as in orange. Uh, Oscar, I guess if I'm keeping with the guy's names there, right? Ask to have your TPO or antithyroid peroxidase antibody checked. Concentrations are high in 60 to 85% of women with postpartum thyroiditis. And as I mentioned, 40 to 60% of women during pregnancy, if you have it, are going to develop it postpartum. So if you are pregnant, getting your lab work, get your TPO checked. If you have any of these symptoms after the baby, go to your primary doctor or your primary care provider nurse practitioner, whomever it is, and ask them to check your TSH, your free T4, your free T3, and your thyroid antibodies. I'm not going to go into all the lab values right now because I have those in a blog over on my website. If you just go to my blog, www.avivaram.com, and you put thyroid in the search box, you'll come up with Thyroid Lab blogs that'll help you understand what your numbers should be. And we'll also talk about in those blogs, the discrepancy between what the conventional numbers are and what the ideal numbers are. And what you want to go for are the ideal numbers. I will put the links to all of the blogs that I've mentioned below this podcast so that it's easier for you to just click over there and get to the right blog and it'll be clearly labeled for you. The diagnosis of postpartum thyroiditis, whether it's hyper or hypo, is based on a combination of your symptoms and the thyroid function tests I've mentioned. Thyroid function tests should be done at three months and six months after you've had your baby if you are at high risk for developing postpartum thyroiditis. Who's at high risk? If you have type 1 diabetes, if you have a history of developing thyroiditis after a previous pregnancy, or if you had a high TPO, anti TPO antibodies either before you were pregnant at any time ever or during this pregnancy. Okay, so those are all the indications for when you should absolutely get tested, but also. If you have postpartum depression, anxiety, any of the symptoms that I've mentioned, good indication to get those thyroid labs done. I typically measure TSH and free T4 and free T3 all at the same time. A lot of doctors will only measure TSH, which is incorrect for diagnosing postpartum thyroiditis because... When your thyroid levels are fluctuating, and remember, you can be swinging from hyper to hypothyroid, so these levels can be all over the place, the TSH becomes less accurate because TSH levels drag behind changes that you see in the free T4. So the TSH could be high or low, but not really tell you the full picture of what's going on. However, if you do have high TSH and low free T4, or even if you just have high TSH, that is an indication that you have postpartum hypothyroidism. If you have low TSH and high free T4, that means hyperthyroidism. So high TSH, low free T4, or just high TSH Or just low free T4, either one, any of those, hypothyroidism. Low TSH is hyperthyroidism. What is recommended in conventional medicine is drastically different than what I think is optimal for women. In conventional medicine, the recommendation is frequently to retest in six or 12 weeks or so and see if the levels are still off for hypothyroidism without treating. In my experience, this leads postpartum women to have basically six to 12 weeks of hell. And so I am very low on the medication prescribing scale. I mean, I I don't even have a prescription pad. You know, I infrequently electronic medical record or call in a prescription for something. But when it comes to... Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, particularly for new moms but really for anybody, the inability to produce enough breast milk if you're trying to breastfeed, if you are unable to connect with your baby, if you're depressed, if your body image is down, you know, because you can't lose the weight or you're gaining weight and you don't even know what you're doing, not only to mention the potential for high cholesterol, the impact on slowing down your heart rate, how it feels to feel that depressed, I personally recommend starting low-dose medication and titrating up until the TSH and free T4 are normal. This can be life-transforming for new moms. And it's not a medication that suppresses the normal function of your thyroid. It's just going to give you the thyroid hormone that your body is not producing while your body has a chance to recover and the antibodies have a chance to go down. If you are going to be able to go off of the medication because you were going to normalize anyway, going on thyroid medication will not prevent that. And what you could do, since we know that it can take several weeks to several months or even six months to 12 months for the thyroid to go back to normal is you can get to a good dose, You work with your local practitioner to get to a good dose of the best medication for you. And then after you stabilize out and you're feeling better and you're feeling healthy and you're feeling happy and well, then after a few months of that, if you want to start to cut the dose back a little bit, then you can pay attention to how you feel. So let's say you cut your dose back, by 25% and you're feeling great. Okay, you can cut your dose back to 50% after a couple of weeks. Still feeling great, cut your dose back to 75%, keep cutting back and then you can check your thyroid hormones every six weeks and see if they're normalizing. If they're normalizing, your thyroid autoimmunity may have resolved and now you can go off the medication. However, when you cut back on the medication, If your symptoms worsen, then you're not ready to go off of it. At some point, at least by a year after being on the medications, it's a really good idea to wean off. And that can really depend on you individually. Sometimes I might do it after six months, sometimes I might do it after 10 or 12 months, but always by 12 months because we know by 12 months if you're going to revert to normal, you'll likely have reverted to normal by then. So at that point I usually recommend cutting the dose by about 50% of any medication for low thyroid function. And if your symptoms come back, then more likely you need to stay on it longer or indefinitely. If your antibodies are still high, or if your TSH starts to creep back up showing that you have a low thyroid, or if your free T4 or free T3 start to go down when you go off the medication or have your medication, then you need to stay on it longer. In which case, I recommend staying on it for another six months, retesting again and then again six months. So by two years after, if every time you try to go off it, your symptoms come back and your numbers creep up or down respectively, then likely you have developed a more permanent autoimmune hypothyroidism, and it's more likely that you do need to stay on medications. Now, if you have hyperthyroidism, the story changes a little bit, and you want to be tested for something called serum thyrotropin receptor antibodies or TRAB. Sometimes they're called TSI. And you ch- get checked for those because. You can have one of two hyperthyroid conditions in the postpartum. You can have postpartum thyroiditis, or you can actually have developed Graves' disease. They have the same symptoms, but with Graves' disease, you do have elevated antibodies and you have hyperfunctioning in your thyroid that can be seen on Doppler exam, which is a type of ultrasound. So in that case, you want to get um, appropriate medical care because Graves' disease does require some specialized care from either your primary doctor or an endocrinologist. And then you want to be rechecked periodically for that as well with your uh, antibody testing and your TSH, free T4 and free T3. If you are breastfeeding and your doctor recommends something called radionuclide imaging You don't get that while you're breastfeeding because it is radioactive material and you cannot hold or breastfeed your baby for a duration of time, long duration of time after you've had that. But Doppler ultrasound, thyroid Doppler ultrasound can be used to distinguish Graves disease from other kinds of hyperthyroidism and is safe while you're breastfeeding. Let's talk about prevention. I'm not going to talk about the nuances of medication because that's in other podcasts and other blogs that are upcoming. But I do want to talk about what you can do to prevent developing particularly postpartum thyroiditis if you know that you have high antibodies during pregnancy. Studies have been done giving levothyroxine, which is also called Synthroid. It's the standard synthetic form of thyroid hormone T4 that's given as a thyroid hormone hormone replacement or iodine to pregnant women with high antibodies. And the studies using either of those during pregnancy have not shown any prevention of postpartum thyroid disease. However, giving selenium during pregnancy seems to act as an anti-inflammatory in pregnant women with autoimmune hypothyroidism. And so it can actually reduce the chances of developing postpartum thyroiditis after baby's born. The typical dose is 200 micrograms daily, and you can start it in first trimester. Just get your labs done before you start it, unless you already know you have Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism, and then just start it. Start it now, even before you get pregnant, if you're planning to get pregnant, and then stay on it indefinitely. Which also brings me to the point that... It works as an anti-inflammatory. Now you have to be a little bit more careful with anti-inflammatory botanicals during pregnancy. So I don't usually recommend, unless you're working with someone like me directly, who is an expert in herbal medicines and pregnancy care, and you might find a naturopathic doctor or the rare MD or nurse practitioner, nurse midwife in your community who does have that training. Um, But I don't recommend using herbs like turmeric, just on your own in pregnancy, because you want to be aware of some of the nuances of some of these anti-inflammatory herbs during pregnancy, and they're not all proven safe. But you can do a tremendous job with a low inflammation diet. So a low inflammation diet would be removing things like gluten and gluten cross-reactives, common allergenic types of triggering foods. Dairy is a big one for a lot of people. For some people, it's soy. Of course, you want to do this carefully because you want to make sure to get all the nutrition you need during pregnancy. But I promise you, you can do a very healthy pregnancy free of these common inflammatory triggers. And you can actually do a careful elimination diet while you're pregnant as long as you're making sure to get plenty of protein, and plenty of vegetables and good quality fats at each meal. There are also other inflammatory triggers. Stress in itself is a big inflammatory trigger, but so are things like environmental toxins, particularly plastics from drinking out of plastic water bottles or storing or heating our foods in plastic containers. So being as thoughtful as you can, you don't want to go drive yourself crazy, but really truly being as thoughtful as you can with your cosmetics, your body products, have them be BPA-free, phthalate-free, paraben-free, you know, as green as you can be during pregnancy, particularly if you're at risk. Now, treatment with thyroid medication in pregnancy and in the new postpartum period, if you just test positive for antibodies is a little tricky. Your doctor might not want to do it. So again, please stay tuned for my podcast and blog on how to be an empowered patient and also read my blog called How Being a Good Girl Can Be Hazardous to Your Health. It's really important to be able to sort of insist that you get this testing, particularly if you have antibodies or a history of antibodies, but also to get appropriate treatment. Now, a lot of doctors are trained that you don't actually need to treat symptomatic hypothyroidism or subclinical hypothyroidism until the TSH is above 10 And that is really high. In my practice, I treat it if a woman is symptomatic above 2.5. So we're talking about what a fourfold difference right there. And it's really important to push that with your doctor. And you can even bring, you know, a copy of this blog with you. Um, There are lots of references at the end. But there is good evidence for treating subclinical hypothyroidism from everything from improving cognitive function to lowering cholesterol. I, again, really, I always do treat when that TSH hits 2.5 or over in women who have symptoms. Again, with Graves or postpartum hyperthyroidism, it's a little bit different. And then, as I said, you can try weaning after 6 to 12 months unless you're pregnant If you are pregnant and you know you've had Hashimoto's or postpartum hypothyroidism in the past, it's really important to get very well tested and possibly be on medication from the get-go with the next pregnancy. And then of course, if you do find that you stay hypothyroid indefinitely, then you want to really work with your primary doctor, your local naturopath, your local nurse practitioner, primary care physician to find the right medication for you so that you can live your life really healthy and optimally without struggling with these exhausting symptoms that can really keep you from living your life to the fullest. So I hope that this podcast has been helpful for you. If you are struggling with any of the symptoms I talked about, if you're not sure whether you have hypothyroidism or hyper please feel free to push it with your doctor to get checked out. If you can't get your doctor to respect your wishes or your other healthcare provider, you got to switch. You got to fire them. I know it's really, really tough to do. If you listen to the podcast I did with hypothyroid mom, Dana Trentini, um, she talks about her experience with postpartum Hashimoto's and how she had to go to a new doctor and how hard that was as a woman and, you know, a woman who's already exhausted and struggling to empower herself to find a new doctor, but how doing so, Transformed her life because she got the support, the care, the understanding, and the treatment she needed. And that is my wish for you as well. I hope that this podcast episode has been helpful. If you know pregnant moms or new moms who have a history of Hashimoto's or thyroid disorder or new moms who are struggling, Please share the link with them so that they can listen and learn. And if you think this podcast is helpful, please make sure to drop a review over in iTunes. They love the reviews. That means you love the podcast and it means a lot more women get to see it. Thank you for joining me today. It's always a pleasure. And I hope this has been really helpful for you.